Right now from the Marquette Law School poll, which is the gold standard for polling in the state of Wisconsin. My words. Charles Franklin joins us. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. Good to be with you. Always great to talk to you. I've been looking at some of your numbers on uh, on the Twitter that you guys put out. I love the fact that you guys are interactive with uh, social media because that, that makes it easier for those of us who have to consume all that. Um, I apparently have some new numbers coming out today looking at the Republican race for president. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, national poll for uh, both the general election and for the primary. All right. You want to tease your data? Oh, sure. Uh, All right. This is out now. We're, All right, good. Let's go. We're street legal talking about this. <laughs> um, so in the, in the national Republican primary, we have Trump at 73% to Haley at 15%, a huge margin. That's a little bigger than in Wisconsin. In our January poll, we had Trump at 64, uh, Haley at 22. Um, Still, big, big margins. We're going to see the South Carolina primary this Saturday. Mm -hmm. So we'll get actual votes there, and we'll see how that turns out. Um, On the general election, it's very tight in the national race, 51 for Trump, 49 for Biden. Um, Very, very close inside the margin of error, certainly. Uh, And we also see the potential for third-party candidates to pick up uh, substantial votes, there it becomes a three-point margin for Trump when you include uh, Kennedy and uh, Jill Stein, the Green candidate, mm-hmm. and Cornell West, another independent. Um, we had some conversations offline about a week or so ago, and, we were, and it was related to the uh, NY3 race, the congressional race for, that replaced the uh, the expelled George Santos. And, and some of the claims people were making, I, I asked you directly, on, I think it was on email, it may have been text, uh, about uh, accusations of Republican bias or lean. What did you make of that? Uh, I'm sorry, Republican or bias or lean in, in that, that race? I'm, I'm sorry, I just missed the point. Yeah, the congressional race in New York. I, I was, we, were yeah. asked, we were chatting offline about that, and I said some people were saying on social media, there, there, there's, there's a bias in this data, this, this pre-election day data. What do you make of that? Oh, in the polling, being a a pro-Republican bias. Right. Uh, Yeah, well, that was something that, excuse me, seemed to show up late in the 2022 campaigns around the country. Uh, It seems to have largely been caused by a set of uh, Republican-affiliated or leaning pollsters having a lot of polls late in the campaign that were too optimistic for Republicans. If you looked at other polling that had been consistently done throughout the year, uh, we didn't see as big of a move towards Republicans in the polling at the end. Finally, if you come back to our polls in Wisconsin uh, in 2022, for example, we were a bit under on the governor's race. We had it tied, and Governor Evers won re-election by just over uh, three points. We had... um, the Senate race, we had uh, Johnson by two, and he won by one. So both of those were just a little better for Republicans uh, than than for Democrats. On the other hand, that average error for us was 2.2 points in 2022. That's exactly equal to our long-term average miss of being off by two points or so. 
Charles Franklin joining us from the MU Law School poll. A, a uh, emailer asked me this question when they saw that I was going to have you on this week. So I'll ask you, do you ever get the sense, and maybe this is, this is not just your poll, and, and I, I just want to ask uh-huh. you generally, that sometimes your respondents are playing around with you? Um, you know, it's always a possibility, and we check for such things. We look for whether people answer yes to a whole series of questions, for example, regardless of which direction. We also look to see whether they finish the interview in unreasonably short amounts of time. So there are those kinds of checks. I think the biggest protection, though, is we're asking people 40-some-odd questions. It is mentally very taxing to consistently lie through all of that, (laughs) to misrepresent your own preferences, um, constantly picking the side you actually don't believe. I don't think we have any evidence that most people do that. And if you listen to telephone interviews, I think you come away with the overwhelming sense that most respondents are just good citizens who want to, or are at least willing to answer questions about politics, even if they're not super engaged. And I think it's sort of a, a satisfying feeling to hear what people say in these interviews. Yes, there may be the occasional person that's spoofing us or misrepresenting, but more often than not, it comes through as people who are just really undecided about something and have trouble picking an answer rather than that they're distorting their views. Charles, join me for my Decision Wisconsin podcast about a month or so ago, and we talked a lot about the methodology, so I'm not going to dig into that. But I do want to ask you about uh, some of your recent polling looked at the popularity or maybe lack of popularity of U.S. Supreme Court justices, and somewhat surprisingly, not well-known except for, like, Kavanaugh and maybe um, Clarence Thomas. No, that's right. And even there, compared to most political figures, they're very little known. Um, 41% said they didn't know enough about Clarence Thomas to have an opinion, 47% about Kavanaugh. But everybody else on the court, including the chief justice, was over half that said they didn't know enough to have an opinion. And that's not surprising. The individual justices are not very visible. They don't usually go out and do big public events. Um, And so people tune into news about the court when it makes big decisions or maybe when it hears big cases. That said, there does seem to be among those who do have an impression of of the justices that those impressions, those favorable and unfavorable ratings, tend to line up reasonably well with partisanship and with ideology. So you see people who think of themselves as liberal generally have a more positive view of the liberal justices and a more negative view of the conservative justices and vice versa. So there is some partisan and ideological structuring that makes sense. But the overwhelming point is how little known the court is in any level of detail, and even how many people are unaware of major court decisions, at least before they come down. Um, The decision overturning Roe v. Wade is a good example of that. Prior to that coming down, we were seeing 20 to 30 percent saying they hadn't heard that there was a a case pending about that. But after it came down, uh, that dropped to under 10% who hadn't heard of the decision. Got to leave it there, but uh, I'm sure we'll talk down the road. Always look look uh, forward to you sharing your wisdom. Charles Franklin, MU Law School, Paul, have a great day. Good to be with you. Thanks.